<laughs> I liked that little praise break. <laughs> to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today we have a hymn sing episode. Yeah. It's been a while for hymn sings too. It's we took a weird well, I guess it wasn't weird. We took a break over the summer from a lot of our regular episodes to do our mental health month and hymn palooza. So we're kind of like settling back into our routine of regularly scheduled episodes. Mm. So today is a hymn sing with Sarah day, and it's actually the first of a two-parter because I have been wanting to do a hymn sing episode on communion hymns for a very long time, very long time. time. But there's also a lot of communion hymns, and there's a lot of really good Reformation era communion hymns, which actually ends up being most of the ones that everybody knows. So the second part of this two-parter is going to be the older communion hymns in Reformation month. So stay tuned for that one later. And I know this makes some people angry that I'm doing the newer ones first, but we're doing the newer ones first. So I'm dividing this into time periods. It was I had to make a decision of where to draw the line, which is kind of ambiguous because I was just like chunking them into two chunks with without mm. a whole lot of rules. Chunking. Um, <laughs> so I decided to draw the line at the Enlightenment period. So that's Uh, I drew the line at 1715, the year 1715. And most of that was just for a practical reason. I ended up with uh, about equal number of hymns. There's a few more in in the older category, but it ended up being relatively equal. But then I also started thinking about it as like the dividing between Renaissance and Enlightenment and the shift in focus from arts and uh, the shifting from the Reformation into this period of like science and reason and and all of those things in the Enlightenment and, and moving forward from there. So that wasn't really the reason why I did it there, but it kind of it also just kind of makes sense. There's also a, a definite division in the style of hymns. Nearly all of the older ones are like German and Latin, and mm. most of the newer ones are written in English. So there's mm. there's some other divisions that that I end up ended up finding too, which was just an interesting I don't know cultural anthropological study of the hymn. I don't know. It was, I was, I was nerding out in several ways. So most of the newer ones are the lesser known, uh, which was an interesting thing for the poll that I normally do. There were several people who were like, I don't know any of these. I have never sung them. Several of them don't, weren't in TLH because they're more modern than they were written after TLH. So that's part of the reason. Um, If there's older churches that really only sing the TLH hymns that are now in LSB, probably don't know several of these because they weren't in TLH. So I've been wanting to do this hymn sing on communion hymns because communion, the communion hymn section of the hymnal are some of my favorites. Mm. Take that with a grain of salt, of course, partially because they're explicitly about what's happening during the Lord's Supper. um, And that is such a crucial part of our Lutheran doctrine. So it's really... I, don't, I always find it uh, a very nice exercise in connecting what you are thinking and speaking about to what is actually happening when we're going to communion. It's a nice way to focus 
focus your mind and your heart on what's happening if you're actually paying attention to the words and not people watching, which is very easy to do. Uh, <laughs> making faces at babies. Making faces me. at babies, uh, admiring everybody's dresses and shoes. Guilty I mean, I do that too. But it's it's a very good way to focus what's happening. And we sing them frequently. It's It's easy to start memorizing some of them too. Hopefully you've started to memorize some of them as we get older. There's some that I, I just kind of realize all of a sudden that, oh, I know half of this hymn by heart because I've been singing it since I was five. This is cool. Mm-hmm. And something that my husband and I do, and there's some other people that do this in our congregation now when we are going up to communion and we have to stand in line, you know, before we go up to the communion rail, we actually take our hymnals with us. So we are singing the whole way up to the communion rail and then we receive the sacrament and then we sing all the way back to our pew. And it's kind of fun to be able to do that. So mm-hmm. maybe we're nerdy. Um, but maybe. that's why we like you. No, maybe about it, actually. Yeah. Just, it, it, it works. And I will have to put out my personal soapbox about the fact that communion hymns are not filler music. So if you start a communion hymn, please finish it. Don't mm, stop in the middle. Yikes. That's a, <laughs> that's a bold request, Sarah. Are you sure you want to keep that in the recording? I might cut that out. Don't. You know what? I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I got your back here that if you plan to sing all, you know, five verses of him and you cut it off after two verses, somebody's going to be disappointed because they were really looking forward to that fifth verse. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and there's, time. and there's several hymns in the communion section that tell a full story through right. all of the verses. And if you cut it off, you might be leaving people hanging with some law mm-hmm. when the gospel's in the later That's verses. That's a good point. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Just sing the whole hymn. Hymnity is not filler music. That is my personal soapbox. Brunch can wait. Finish the hymn. Yeah. Mm. It's like an extra minute and a half. I do love brunch, though. I will <laughs> give some grace <laughs> for the 15 stanza hymn, which actually isn't 15 stanzas anymore in LSB because they split it into two, so you don't have that total excuse anymore. But I can understand that if you're like two verses in. But I mean, just just plan ahead when you're building the service. Put that one first and then, you know, you'll get through all of them. You'll get through all of it. And yeah. Or, you know, maybe you're a small congregation. So you're like, realistically, that's only going to come out once a year because Mm -hmm. you don't want a rebellion. If you needed the filler music. Just pick a communion hymn and do a little improvisational. I do appreciate an organist. Yeah, that's like, I can tell we need a a little more time. So they do a little interlude Mm -hmm. and then they bring you back in to do that last verse to close it out right as they're putting the the cover back over everything. Shout out to church musicians who have to think through all of these logistics during a service on the fly so that it is seamless for us in the pew. So anyway. I did do a poll in the lady in, in the ladies lounge on Facebook, as is the usual. Very interesting results mm. because these are lesser known hymns. So the winner, clear winner, by far. <laughs> let's see. As of time of recording, five hundred and thirty-six votes for Lutheran Service Book six forty-three sent forth by God's blessing. Wow! I didn't expect Solid that one. Solid choice, ladies. I can I'm one. with you. It's a good one. Second place with more than they had a week ago, 321 votes for Lutheran Service Book 629, What is This Bread? Which yeah. I may also contribute some of that to the fact that that was just in one of our podcast episodes. <laughs> what is this? Bread? That's so right. way more people are paying attention to the fact that that is uh-huh. one of our communion hymns True. because now they know True. about it. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure that when we do need filler music at the end of communion, the organist will go straight to what is this what bread? What is this uh-huh. bread? Yes. And then in in descending vote order, we have LSB 641, You Satisfy the Hungry Heart. 623, Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly pray. I love that one. 638, eat this bread. 631, hear, oh my Lord, I see thee face to face, which I definitely thought was way older than it actually is. Hmm. Uh, 624, the infant priest was holy it born. it has thee in it, right? Right, I know. <laughs> uh, 620, Jesus comes today with healing. 626, come let us eat, which was also in Aaron's Hymn and Blues uh-huh. episode. <laughs> uh, 639, wide open stand the gates and bringing... Uh, bringing up the 10th tenth, tenth place, uh, 635, Oh Gracious Lord, I Firmly Am Believing, which, funny enough, it only had 14 votes. We just sang that one at my church like two weeks ago. <laughs> so I was quite familiar with that one when I was writing these notes. A few others that were mentioned in the comments, 547, The Lamb. So these are ones that are not in the communion section of the hymnal or actually in the hymnal at all. Um, 922, Go My Children With My Blessing. 644, The Church Is One Foundation. 570, Just As I Am. And In the Garden, which is not in Lutheran Service Book. So the three of you co-hosts, do you have a favorite from this list or a favorite not on this list that falls in the category of written after 1715. I love a good to say him. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I love, love that setting. And again, him noob over here. Yeah. I don't really know. But I was going to say 641 because I like to sing You Satisfy the Hungry Heart with Gifts of Cream of Wheat <laughs> instead of the Gifts of <laughs> But that's just me being cheeky. I will say that I really love 623, LSB 623. Yes. And I think... <laughs> Which one is that? That is Lord Jesus Christ, We Humbly Pray. It's a good uh, one. Ah, yes. I think talking about sort of the explicit graphic nature mm-hmm. of what Holy Communion is, and sometimes I think about what outs- uh, outsiders would <laughs> think about, like, what Holy Communion is. So imagine go- coming to church for the first time, opening your hymnal, and singing the first line is, Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly pray that we may feast on you today. Like, <laughs> also, straight to the it's, point. it's just straight to the point. That's what yep. it is. It's just, it's it's out there. It's in your face. Mm-hmm. And it sounds pretty to sing in four-part harmony. I'm yes. not going to lie. That's like, that's that's the selling point for me. I'm not going to lie. That's a great, that is a great setting yep. of that hymn. So my favorite of these is What is the Spread? Which I included in my <laughs> hymn, Napalooza episode, because I do love it. But I am especially fond of the one of the verses. And it gets me every time I sing it. It is the, and who am I Mm. that I should live and he should die under the rod? My God, my God, why have you not forsaken me? Oh, taste and see the Lord is free. And like every time that, why have you not forsaken me? uh, Mm -hmm. Is one that gets me, uh, especially if we're singing this in, say holy week Mm. (laughs) yeah then it's like even more present Mm. and crushing um, my soul yeah yeah but i love it and it's a beautiful beautiful tune Mm -hmm. yeah and i will just say a note about this one this was written by fred and gene bowie who are actually members at my congregation uh they are wonderful people 
and they wrote it together in 1990 when he was a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church in Tucson, which was a mission congregation. So Fred wanted to write a catechetical hymn to teach about the sacrament. And uh, if you know Dr. Fritz Bowie, uh, he has a PhD in literature. He's written some some books, brilliant storyteller. And his wife, Jean, uh, she has a master's in music theory. And according to the story, she wrote the music for that in like 10 minutes. Hashtag couple goals. Yes, they are. (laughs) They're wonderful people. So shout out to the Bowies. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm I'm going with a very unorthodox choice for my favorite comedian (laughs) hymn. And that's not to say that there aren't many wonderful hymns. I, there, it's I, it's hard to name a community hymn I don't like, but I am guilty as charged. I'm the person who added just as I am to the comments in the poll that you ran, Sarah, being a little contrary there. And I realize this is an unorthodox choice for a Lutheran because just as I am is an altar call song. <laughs> More hey. than that, it was Billy Graham's altar call song. <laughs> oh, whoa. So oh, it's I'm a contrary controversial choice and yet reread the lyrics in the context of holy communion and they really it provides a meaning that they do not have outside of the context of the sacrament of the altar just Mm -hmm. as i am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee o lamb of god i come Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I mean, if you sing those words while walking to the rail and kneeling at the rail and receiving the Lord according to his good promises, they take on a meaning that they did not have before. And once you've experienced that, it's hard to think about the hymn the same way again. Mm-hmm. Also, I have it completely memorized, so I don't need my hymnal yeah, to go up to the front while singing that hymn. Um, so that's that's my choice, and I realize it's an unusual one, but I, I will stand by it. It's fair. Mm-hmm. I'll allow it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I do have a little bit of a blurb for most of these. I already mentioned something about what is this, Brad, because I knew you were choosing that one, Erin insider knowledge. Um, So this isn't going to be a typical hymn sing where I only dig into like one or two. Because these are more modern, a lot of the hymn writers don't have huge, like super in-depth stories like Paul Gerhardt. um, (laughs) Because his story can take an entire podcast episode. So just a little bit about each of them, because I think it's nice to know more about these hymns because a lot of people don't know about them. So these are, this is some insight. So the next time you, you may find one of these in your hymnal, you're like, oh, hey, I actually know something about this. So I'm going to start with Lutheran Service Book 624, The Infant Priest Was Holy Born, because it's at the top of the list, although I think I have like three or four favorites in this list. Uh, <laughs> As usual, uh, this is a really fantastic hymn to mm. sing on Christmas for communion. We, this is we actually sang this at Emmanuel on Sunday. Yeah, because of the feast of Saint Mary. Oh, yep. Yep. Explaining it because there was a reason. We, Sorry. we did Sorry. too. We did too on the feast of Saint Mary, and so I was super excited. First time I ever sang it. Yeah. Isn't it so good? It's so good. It's so good. It was written by Chad Bird when he was a student at Concordia Theological Seminary. The Concordia Theological Seminary. (laughs) It sounds older when it has a the. 
uh-huh. <laughs> and more fish. <laughs> in 1997, and it was his first poem. And you could literally do an entire theological study on all of its text being about Jesus as our great high priest. And what makes it so great for Christmas is the first stanza. The infant priest was holy born for us, unholy and forlorn. From fleshly temple forth came he, anointed from eternity. It's a beautiful text, so I highly recommend you go read it um, and then ask your pastor if you can sing it on Christmas. Fleshy Temple. Fleshly Temple. Fleshly Temple. Fleshly <laughs> Temple. Fleshly. Yes. Shirley Temple's older sister, Fleshy. <laughs> that would not be in our hymnal. No. Uh, Lutheran Service Book 631. Here, O oh my Lord, I see thee face to face. I love this one because this of the yes, the Latin mm. chanty like tune. Mm. I definitely thought it was way older. I was very surprised when I was separating these hymns into my two lists, and this one was newer. Uh, po Latin chant, I love it. Po Latin chant, <laughs> yes. It was written by Dr. Horatius Bonar and published in 1857 wow. in Hymns of Faith and Hope in London. Way newer than I thought. I thought for sure it was like it's like the Gregorian 1500s. chants that had their moment in the nineties. Oh yeah, like yes. in the eighteen hundreds. Suddenly they had another resurgence. Yes, Enya. <laughs> I love Enya. He'd probably been reading like Ivanhoe at the time and was like, oh, I, I, I want to live in that time period, so I will write in that time period." So he originally dated it in 1855, and he wrote it for his brother. And the story goes that when Horatius's brother, Dr. John James Bonar of St. Andrew's Free Church in Greenock, Scotland, wanted a hymn for after communion, because he was pastor there, uh, Horatius wrote this for his brother to read after the service. So Dr. Bonar, Horatius Bonar, was born in Edinburgh, Scotland on December 19th, 1808. His dad was a tax lawyer, and he was ordained in the Church of Scotland at Kelso on November 30th, 1837. He married Jane Lundy in 1843, who was the daughter of the minister before him in the parish. So he married the pastor's kid. Weird. (laughs) They were married for 40 years, which is adorable. Mm. In the schism of the Church of Scotland, known as the Great Disruption in 1843, which I did not, I don't know my Church of Scotland history, he joined his mentor Thomas Chalmers in forming the Free Church of Scotland, and his church in Kelso came with him, so he was parish of, or pastor of the parish until 1866. And then he became pastor of Chalmers Memorial Church in Edinburgh. And in 1855 to 1856, he went on a trip to Egypt and Palestine and became completely entrenched in premillennialism, believing that our Lord would return in person soon, suddenly, and with power to destroy Antichrist and restore Israel and to inaugurate an earthly kingdom of a thousand years. So he ended up with some sketchy, interesting theology. In 1883, he became the moderator of the General Assembly of the Free Church of Scotland, and then he died in Edinburgh on July 31st, which is my baptism birthday, 1889, and his hymns were collected after his death by his son, Horatius Ninian Bonar, in, this is a great title, (laughs) Hymns by Horatius Bonar, selected and arranged by his son, H.N. Bonar, and a brief history of some of the hymns, five facsimiles of original MSS, and a portrait. That's the title. The subtitle is longer than the title. (laughs) 
I feel like this has come up before that that um, book hymn book titles you in this them. era are like mm-hmm. a paragraph long. It's great. I love it. Uh, published in London in 1904. He is known as the most eminent of hymn writers of Scotland. Mm. Very interesting. So the text of this hymn is really beautiful and it has been edited a little bit for a Lutheran service book with three of his original stanzas omitted. And it was written by a Calvinist, so of course we needed to Lutheranize it a little bit and interpret it a little bit differently than he may have originally meant. And so the original text, Too Soon We Rise, The Symbols Disappear, is now Too Soon We Rise, The Vessels Disappear, because we know they're not symbols. It's both. So the tune, this is this is a total little nerdy bit. Uh, the tune Farley Castle is in three different keys in our hymnal. That's really helpful, actually, if you're accompanying, because then you can look it up and be like, this one is too high for our church to sing. Let me find the lowest possible <laughs> right. arrangement of this. Three different tunes. Of course, if you have Sarah Gulseth in the congregation, you don't have to worry about it being too high for the congregation. Amen. That is fine. I complain when things are too low. Sorry. <laughs> Very much. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) That actually wasn't that low. There's a reason I sing tenor lines up an octave. Anyway, Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly pray is next. 623. I love this one. And now that I've researched it, there's a really, really good reason why this text is so good. So this was written by Henry E. Jacobs, who was professor of the Lutheran Theological Seminary in Philadelphia in 1910, and it was published in the Common Service Book of the Lutheran Church in Philadelphia and Columbia, South Carolina. In response to Luther Reed of the General Council of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in North America, not ELCA, this is very much pre-ELCA, wanting to enhance its liturgical and hymnological tradition with hymns that vigorously confessed the real presence of Christ in the sacrament of the altar. So this text is fantastic on purpose. Vigorously confessed like the world's most Lutheran set of words. Vigorously to make known the love of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I should know our mission statement. We're that. vigorous, you guys. Vigorously known something. <laughs> In the 19th century, American Lutherans were fighting over the real presence of Christ's body and blood in the sacrament, which is something I don't think I realized about American Lutheran. History. Interesting. Yeah. And maybe this was a little bit outside of the LCMS. I don't know. Because this is out, this, this hymn ri- was written outside of the LCMS. Henry Jacobs' teachers at the Lutheran Theological Seminary either rejected it, like Samuel Schmucker, or were ambivalent, like Charles Philip Krauth. But Krauth's son, Charles Porterfield Krauth, which is probably a familiar name to some theological students, fought for the real presence as we confess it. And when Jacob succeeded him at the seminary in 1883, it was the prevailing viewpoint. So this is why this hymn is so explicit in our Lutheran doctrine of the true presence of the Mm. body and blood, the forgiveness we receive, the testimony of communion, how the sacrament strengthens us, and the eschatological reality of the Lord's Supper when we celebrate what was, what is, and what is to come. And just a little bit more about Henry Jacobs, because I like knowing about the people who wrote our hymns. He was born November 10th, 1844 in Gettysburg to Juliana and Michael Jacobs. His dad was a professor and a pastor, and so he obviously followed in those footsteps. He graduated from Pennsylvania College in 1862 
almost civil war and theological seminary in Gettysburg in 1865 civil war which uh, isn't he was like probably at school during Gettysburg at school during or, Gettysburg in was, Gettysburg. that was summer break heard the Gettysburg address whoa, whoa. that would have been cool so cool guys so mm. cool Mm. He was a Latin professor at Pennsylvania College and a parish pastor, and then he was called to teach doctrinal theology at the General Council's Theological Seminary at Philadelphia in 1883. He became dean there in 1895 and president in 1920. His son ended up teaching there as well, although he was a little less confessional. So, whoops. Yeah. His grandson was a contributor to the liturgical renewal among American Lutherans, which is kind of cool. He's one of the most influential American Lutheran theologians of this time period, with several translations of Lutheran doctrine and works of his own. He was a leader in the merger of the General Council, the General Synod, and the United Synod of the South in 1918. He was a preacher, actually, for the service creating the United Lutheran Church in America at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Manhattan on November 18th, 1918. And this hymn was sung at that service. And then he died on July 7th, 1932, and is buried in Gettysburg. Whoa. So those are my top three of this list. So the next little chunk... I was kind of categorizing these that so made a little bit more sense. So these are ones that there's three that don't come from American, English, or German tradition because so much of our hymnody is German and English. Mm. Eat This Bread 638 is from uh, the Taze Prayer Community in France. I love that and hymn. If, and if yes. you went to Concordia Chicago, and maybe other Concordias do this too, we had a lot of Taze services. Beautiful. So I know Bree and I are very familiar with what Taze so is because we were immersed in it mm. at Concordia Chicago. Taze is a monastic community formed in 1940 in Taze, France, beginning with refugees fleeing Nazi occupation. I didn't know that history of it until I was researching this hymn. So it's now over 100 Protestants and Catholics, and it's actually visited by thousands of young people every summer. Wow. So they needed to have easy-to-sing music that also could be sung across different cultures. So Jacques Bertier was commissioned to write simple musical settings to Latin texts because that would be a, a neutral enough language. So this particular hymn in our hymnal came about because Robert Battistini of GIA Publications in Chicago went to Taze in 1983 in order to produce a second American collection from, of music from Taze. So he actually was writing Taze music in English for Americans. This text is based on John 6, but that would be a little uh, weird for us to sing during communion. So when the committee for the hymnal supplement 98 wanted a more Eucharistic focus, they had Stephen Starkey write new text for the first two verses, hmm. which is why they're so fantastic. Uh, this tune is a mix of Bertier and Battistini. Uh, because Bertier wrote the notes, so it sounds like Taze music, uh, but Battistini wrote the rhythms so that it would work with English words. Mm. Because in this kind of like semi-chant-ish prayerful meditation, the words, where the words line up makes a big difference in how it actually is going to sing. So there's that one. 626, Come Let Us Eat, was originally written in Loma, one of more than 30 languages spoken in Liberia by Bilema Quilia who was born in 1925 and learned to read and write in a local church's literacy program and later became a teacher in that literacy program in the 1960s. 
really cool, and was baptized and became an evangelist. Uh, this hymn was recorded in 1969 by missionary Margaret Miller and translated into English. It first appeared in 1970 in the fourth edition of Laudamus, the hymnal of the Lutheran World Federation, in three languages, Loma, German, and English. Nice. Hmm. Yeah. I think this is the only hymn in our hymnal that was originally written in Loma. I, so I then, know this is the only hymn in our hymnal that was originally <laughs> yeah. written in Loma. Yeah, this is the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the third one of the non-American or English or German tradition is uh, the one that ended up last on the poll because I don't think it gets sung that much. 635, O gracious Lord, I firmly am believing. So this is attributed to San Miguel of Ecuador, but there isn't really a, a definitive identification. And it came down through oral traditions. So there's actually several versions of it floating around in Spanish, Helpful. which is kind of fun. It was first published in 1913 in Colección de Canticos Religiosos para Uso de las Escuelas Cristianas, Congregaciones y Paragujas. Paraguas. Sorry, I couldn't tell if that was a Q or a G because of the little squiggly red line underneath because it's not in English. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, word. (laughs) It's in the form of six traditional Catholic prayers or acts of faith, humility, contrition, hope, love, and desire. But our text in LSB uses the stanzas for faith, contrition, humility, and love. And then our stanza five was added later, and it doesn't fit the pattern. <laughs> so this cracks me up that the Lutherans left out the verse on desire. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's probably uncatholic. <laughs> And actually, if you if you do get to sing this one, and if you know a little bit of Spanish, it's kind of fun to like sing the Spanish in your head. Mm. Um, it it definitely fits better with the tune because it's singing out loud. It's meant. I did that. We sang this a couple care. of weeks ago, and I definitely was like softly singing the Spanish <laughs> rebel. Um, because I mean, the Spanish just fits with the tune better because it was written right for the Spanish, and the English words can get a little weird. What? Yeah, it's That's fine. It's fine. San Miguel of Ecuador. Uh, he is kind of a fun story. He was like he was a, a multi potentialite back in the day. Mm. Uh, Francisco Luis Flores Cordero Munoz was born in Cuenca, Ecuador, on November seventh, eighteen fifty four, to a very distinguished family. His grandfather, Leon Febres Cordero, was a general in the Ecuadorian War of Independence, and his dad was a professor of French and English at the seminary. Pretty cool. He had a congenital deformity in his feet that meant he couldn't walk until he was five. Wow. But he was a brilliant student attending school through the Christian Brothers of the LaSalle Order. He was so impressed by their lifestyle that he decided to join them. So he became the first native Ecuadorian to join the order. By the time he was 15, uh, he was known as Brother Miguel, and he was teaching in LaSallean schools at 15. 15. Smart guy. Mm. He also published a grammar textbook at age 20, and that's the textbook that the Ecuadorian government ended up using in all of the Ecuadorian government schools. Wow. Really cool. He was also a really great catechist, and he was, you know, in his spare time, a school inspector, and he wrote about linguistics and literature, and he became a member of several royal academies, and of course, he spent a lot of time teaching the faith. He died in 1910, and the Ecuadorian government built a monument for him in 1955. He was beatified in 1977 and canonized in 1984. So 
he's a pretty pretty big dude in the in the Ecuadorian Catholic Church. Cool stuff. So a note about a a couple that aren't as well known. That's as compared to the others that were not as well known. The only way I could group these together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 620, Jesus Comes Today with Healing, was written by Heinrich Puchta. And Heinrich Puchta. That's a lot of uh, I know what it looks like in in, uh, International (sighs) Phonetic Alphabet, but that's the one that's really hard for me to say. It's it's the X symbol. Anyway, uh, he published in his book, Morgen und Abendantax, Christlichen Haushalter in... In Gesangen, Gesangen. Wow, my German's bad today. Morning and evening devotions at the Christian home altar in songs. <laughs> Long book title in the 1800s. Imagine that. Uh, was published in 1843. This book came after some physical and mental strife for him, though. In 1841, one of his friends drowned himself. Oh. And a couple months later, he suffered a mental breakdown. So he went to a psychiatric hospital to recover. So he was wow. there for about a year. He was discharged in 1842 and then was recovering with some family. And then he wrote this book full of peace, comfort, and forgiveness, which is a very common story among hymn writers who go through some really horrendous stuff and then mm. end up writing some really amazing hymns. So this was also during the rationalist age. So he was part of the larger effort to combat the low view of the sacraments from the rationalists. Mm. A lot of churches had stopped having frequent communion at this time. So he was really trying to encourage the right understanding of the sacrament. So that is partially why this hymn has a really great text. And then Lutheran Service Book 639, Wide Open Stand the Gates, was likely written by Wilhelm Leia. Princess Leia. Who has shown up before. Yes, in 1871, he published his fifth edition of Beicht und Kommunienbuch für Evangelisches Christen, which was a collection of psalms, prayers, hymns, and meditations for preparing Christians for confession and communion. And I'm sure it was a fantastic book. This hymn was a new one that was published in this book. And it was unattributed, so people just kind of assume that he wrote it because there was no <laughs> yes. other name on it. So that's the little tidbit about that one and finally the winner of (laughs) lutheran service book 643 sent forth by god's blessing was written by omer westendorf and published in his people's mass book no long title for this one in 1964 keep it brief which was the first complete catholic hymnal in the u.s that resulted from the Second Vatican Council of 1962 to 65, a.k.a. Vatican II. <laughs> so this is the first Catholic hymnal after Vatican II. The text has been changed quite a bit for our Lutheran purposes, as the original is very obviously Catholic, and we don't sing Catholic theology in our Lutheran services. So God's sacrifice ended is now the supper is ended. The fruits of the Mass is now the fruits of this service, and his grace shall now incite us, aka infused grace, is now his grace did invite, invite us. us. Yes, yes. Oh. We had to Lutheranize it. 
But no, it's fine. Uh, I like it. The text of this hymn is about sending us out with God's blessing. Maybe specifically the ironic benediction, not the ironic benediction, the aaronic benediction. Like Aaron. Like Aaron. Aaronic. Aaron. A A R O N. A A R O N. You done messed up, A A R O N. Or about the entire divine service being a blessing as a whole. So we're sent out to confess Christ to the world. And a couple of people actually mentioned in the poll, it's slightly amusing to sing this hymn at the beginning of communion rather than at the mm-hmm. end, because it talks in like the first stanza about the supper being over. Yep. So there were some people that were like, oh, this is funny when we sing it before I've Timing. even gone up to communion mm. because it's singing that the supper's ended and it hasn't yet. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, that can be hard to judge if you have extra people. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, you're thinking about it for when the supper is actually ended and we have that blessing. So the tune is super catchy, Yep, which might be yeah. why people love it so much. Yep. I don't know. It's really hard not to dance to it. Even us German Lutheran people uh, kind of have to like sway to it. It's named the Ash Grove, mm-hmm. which is a translation of... The Welsh hymn named um, Lwyn On? Good. Yeah. I don't know if that was right. I don't know Gaelic translate. My bucket list. Is it actually a hymn or is it a Welsh folk tune? Um, Oh, did I say hymn? You did. Oh, sorry. It's not a hymn. It's not (laughs) a hymn. I'm familiar with the the Welsh folk tune. Folk tune. Sorry. Yes, it is a Welsh folk tune. And folk tunes always make fantastic hymns. It's true. The words to the folk tunes are really fun, too. (laughs) Omer Westendorf was born in Cincinnati, Ohio on... February 24th, 1916, and lived there in perpetuity, forever. He received, he did not move, he he received his certificate in piano from Cincinnati College of Music in 1947. Great school. His bachelor's of music (laughs) in 1948, and his master's of music in 1950. He was organist and choir director at St. Bonaventure Catholic, Roman Catholic Church for 40 years, beginning when he was just 20 years old. Wow. So he was... When we talk about people who like to have roots, he liked yeah. to have roots. Yes. He yeah. didn't go anywhere. <laughs> he founded the World Library of Sacred Music in 1950, which began as an importer of sacred music from Europe, which is really cool. So he actually knew about these things because he spent time as an infantryman during World War II in Europe. So huh. he actually knew about some of the sacred music because he, he was making connections when he was so there he did during live the war. In Cincinnati his whole life except yeah. during the war when yep. he did actually during the war encounter yeah he was chairman and president of the organization until 1976 he was an amazing hymn writer and hymnal editor this hymnal people's mass book is one of four he compiled which is crazy like super hymn nerd status he died on october 22nd 1997 in Cincinnati. Wow. And he actually wrote the text for another one of the hymns on this list, You Satisfy the Hungry Heart, 641. With gifts of cream of wheat. Yes. And that hymn was actually written for a hymn competition for the 41st International Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia in 1976. And the theme for that conference was the Eucharist and the hunger of the human family. Hmm. So You Satisfy the Hungry Heart is a very uh, appropriate hymn title for that conference hymn competition and his hymn was chosen as the winner so before i totally wrap up and let you guys oh i got 
I got um, something. Okay, I have I have uh, my usual plug during these him 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 sing episodes for the Lutheran Service Book Companion to the Hymnal from Concordia Publishing House. If you love hearing all these crazy tidbits of information and wonder where I get them from, that's where I get them from. So if you don't have that book yet, go buy your own. I actually have my own now at home because I was using my work copy at home this whole time, and then mm. my parents bought me my own copy for my birthday. So I have a copy at home now. Thanks, mom and dad. So it's fantastic. Go buy it. All right, Rachel, what do you have? Okay. This was apparently not in the Lutheran service book companion, Ooh. but it's worth knowing. So you talked okay. about how the the connection of sent forth by God blessing to Vatican II. Vatican yes. II brought the mass into the vernacular for the first time and also encouraged the writing and singing of Catholic hymns. Now you would think that this would open a floodgate of Catholic poets and hymn writers writing hymns. It didn't. It opened a trickle. And most what? of the trickle was Omer, Omer Westendorf. That's funny. Um, <laughs> he has four hymnals. I mean. Right, right, right. So he, when he was having trouble getting enough response from Catholic would-be or wouldn't-be hymn writers, because, I mean, let's face it, hymns are too Protestant, or they were right. seen so for a while. Long time. He and a few colleagues set to work themselves. I'm getting this from a United Methodist uh, <laughs> info site here. I love it. To disguise their paltry numbers, they <laughs> took to using a variety of pen names. Oh, Westendorf no. used at least five. Yes! Paul Francis, J. Clifford Evers, Mark Evans, and Anthony and Michael Sodano. <laughs> Rudolph Halloween. So, sent forth by God's blessing, while written by Omer Westendorf, was actually published under J. Clifford Evans. However, after the book sold over two million copies and helped introduce hymnody to the Roman Catholic audience, it was less of a problem, I think, after that initial adventure. But I love it. They wanted to put out a hymnal of Catholic hymns after Vatican II. And they were embarrassed by how few contributors it had, so they made up some extra ones. I just L love that. Oh, <laughs> L. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh so, goodness. yeah, I did a little Googling when I heard we were doing this hymn because I love it. And I found it really uh, just an interesting story as to how it came to be to us. And I'm glad it did because I love this song. Yes. Lots of people do. Mm. So there will be a part two to this. If you didn't hear about your favorite hymn today, that's okay. A lot of people probably didn't. But I'm so happy to be able to do all of these communion hymns. And the next episode is going to be so jam-packed full of everything because those are the ones that everybody knows. So stay tuned for that one. That'll happen in uh, October as part of our Reformation Month celebration. Join our group on Facebook, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Or follow us on Instagram at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. If you tag us in stories about your favorite hymns, we'll share them on our story. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge.
I really wanted to come up with a fun pen name. I was almost <laughs> Jay Clifford Evers. <sighs> I kind of think of a good last name for Maybelline. So. Maybelline. <laughs> Maybelline LaRue. <laughs> Maybelline Westendorf. <laughs> yes. Omer. Omer.